You are listening to the Calm Down Podcast, the podcast where candid, thought-provoking, and rare conversations happen while amplifying people's stories around the world. Here, we take it one day at a time and also rant on simple cuts people don't observe or are just oblivious to. I am your host, Viola Ekene. I am an on-air personality, podcaster, YouTuber, and content creator. Hey Calmers, how are you doing? How have you been? Good to have you on another episode of the Countdown Podcast. Thank you for clicking that play button to listen to this episode. Now this episode features an amazing and inspiring story. So I came across Rachel's Instagram handle. Rachel is the person that shared her story in this podcast. I came across her Instagram handle and went through some of her posts where she's shared some of her cancer survival journey and I was like, whoa, I need to have her on this podcast for her to share her story and her journey with us and I never knew that you know there's a lot much more to breast cancer it's so much more than you can imagine I learned so so much so this is me also telling you right now that if you have any relative or anybody that you know is struggling with cancer whatever type of cancer please forward this episode to them first of all it's going to encourage them to know that not alone it's also going to educate them as well because I learned so so much and I know you're going to learn so much. So here is something or things you need to know rather about Rachel Thimari. She is the person that shared her story on this podcast. So Rachel is a Chicago-based fashion and lifestyle blogger and a breast cancer driver. She was diagnosed with breast cancer almost six years ago at the age of 27. She uses her platform to share her cancer journey and experience while educating her readers on the severity of breast cancer at a young age. Her blog won the Cancer and Lifestyle Award and on top of that, Rachel Rachel loves to travel. She and her husband travel to different cities and countries. She has also wanted to be a mom but did not know if it was possible due to cancer. But now she spends her time with her newborn baby and adjusting to life with a baby. She calls her baby Miracle Baby. And yes, like when you're done listening to this episode, you would know that that baby is indeed a miracle baby. So quickly before we hop into the conversation, I wanted to share a resource that I've been using that has been working so well with me. You, you all know how we do in this podcast community, right? We don't things. So if you're a content creator and you're listening to me right now, you know the importance of building an email list. Social media, anything can happen and you lose your community. When your email marketing is top-notch, you know that you never lose your community and you can sell to them over and over again. This is very, very important. And one thing that is more important is having a very good email marketing platform to be able to host your community and to be able to communicate and build more relationship with your online community. I highly recommend Flowdesk. So I switched to Flowdesk because first of all, it is inexpensive. Unlike other email marketing platforms where you have to pay more, the more your email list grows. With Flowdesk, you have to pay just one fee, even if you have 1 million email subscribers. Though I'm not kidding. Like even if you have so much email subscribers, you don't have to pay more. And as a beginner, you don't have to go through that stage of being overwhelmed using a new platform. They have custom made templates beautifully designed to guide you. So no more boring emails to your email subscribers. You're no longer going to be sent 
sending emails that look so generic and boring. There are templates, there are prompts to guide you your email marketing journey with your online community. And not only that, when you sign up, you get one month free trial. So with the one month free trial, you check out the platform, you know if it is worth would work for you and I know it's going to work for you. I'm going to leave a link in the description of this episode. Sign up with that link and you get to pay half of the price forever. So the email subscription per month is $38 for Flowdex email marketing platform. But when you sign up with my link in the description, you get to pay $19 per month forever. Yes, forever. So do check out Flowdesk. If you're a content creator, don't sleep on this. It's been working so well and I also use them for my clients. So let's head over to the conversation with Rachel on her journey surviving breast cancer and all you have to know about breast cancer. Let's do this. Hi, Viola. Thank you so much for being here. The podcast community appreciates you and the amazing job you are doing, especially as a blogger, as oh, a cancer you. survivor. You are amazing. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So I, I want to first start with this, right? What was your first reaction when you were told you had cancer? You know, and what type of cancer was it? So I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 27 years old. So it's a, a little bit over five years ago. Um, to be quite honest, was a little disbelief like it was more like is this a dream is this true did someone make a mistake um, with the test result so it, it was more like a shock also because nobody in my family had cancer um, so it did take a moment for it to sink in but a lot of it was like oh it must have been mixed up with someone else's result that it was my initial reaction okay so what were the symptoms like did you ever like did it even ever occur to you that you might you might have been cancer when you were experiencing some of the symptoms? Yeah, so I didn't really experience any like illness or ailments. The only thing um, I noticed, which was led to my doctor appointment, is that there were lump in my breast. And a little bit of a background history, I always had like this teeny tiny lump that had always been benign when I, ever since I was a little girl. But when I was at my honeymoon and putting on my swimsuit top, I felt my breast and my right breast to be exact. And I was like, is it, did it get bigger? Like, you know, like, I, you know, I, and to be honest, I never really did any self breast exam back then because I was like you don't get breast cancer at a young age nobody gets that so I, I was a little confused and so after my honeymoon I actually happened to already have a doctor's appointment and so she did the usual physical exam and she noticed she's like does that feel different to you and I asked her well can you tell me if it feels different I'm not quite sure um so I really didn't have any um illness or anything like that leading up to it except for the lumps I felt and so immediately my primary doctor scheduled a breast ultrasound um, and then that led to having a mammogram and you know basically long story short all these tests that I had to take led to them discovering that I have four tumors in my breast. Wow at that point that you know the doctor was telling you oh does it feel different and when he said breast cancer how did it feel because sometimes I'm like when I read cancer survival stories and you know the things they go through I'm always like it must be so devastating getting the news at first right yeah. Were you also go through that feeling of, I pray you better not be cancer. I know that saying is cancer, but you better not be cancer. Did you go through that type of feeling as well? I did, you know, it did somehow had a feeling it might have been cancer. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, I was also disbelieved like, oh, you know what? That's just me being paranoid. Because, um, you know, a lot of times in life, you know, I think like, oh my gosh, could it be it? And it's really just my paranoia talking. So mm. a part of me felt like it could have been cancer, but 
also a part of me was like, no, you're just thinking the worst case scenario. Like this stuff does not happen. So it was a little bit of back and forth with my mind. Okay. So what were the treatments like after you were told, um, you know, it was cancer and all of that? What what did you do next? Yeah. What was yes. like the nothing? Yeah. So this is where the long story starts. <laughs> uh, well, I immediately knew that I wanted to get second opinion. Um, again, just to kind of re-look at the test results, making sure there was no error. Although I felt confident in the doctors that looked into it initially, it, I just wanted that reassurance. So the process actually began with taking, getting second opinion. And I didn't just go to one second opinion. I did three second opinions. <laughs> so I went to some of like the best hospitals here in Chicago and basically wanted to hear their thoughts on my test results. Is it truly cancer? What type of cancer? And what their recommended um, treatment plan is? And if I actually felt comfortable with the doctors, the part, you know, for me, it's hard to go through something tough if you don't feel confident in the people that are treating. So I also want mm-hmm. to make sure, do I actually like the doctors that I'll be um, working with? And so after I went through that process, I finally selected which hospital um, I wanted my main care is and where my treatment would be um, happening. And so from there, um, my oncologist, and this is one thing I have to give um, credit to, is my oncologist actually asked me what my future plans are. She's like, if there wasn't any cancer, what your future plans is. And at that time, I just got married. And she's like, I know you're young, but do you want to grow a family? And I said, I'd love to one day. Because start treatment, it once you use treatment start, it can actually potentially um, ruin the chance of having a baby. You know, it, it does affect mm-hmm. the female reproductive system when you go through things like chemo. It's just the treatments in general are very harsh and aggressive. And so I told her I do. And she said, basically, that's where we talked about fertility preservation, where I don't know if you know what fertility preservation is. It's like a speed up IVF process. Essentially, is they're giving me the opportunity to freeze eggs or embryos. And in our case, we froze embryos um, so that in the future, if I do want to have kids and I can't produce on my own naturally, that we could potentially use these frozen embryos um, Hmm. in the future. So overall, that process took about a week and a half before treatment started because you have to do it before treatment started because once treatment started you you pretty much can't do it anymore um, so from there we did the whole um we did we froze some embryos <laughs> so they mm-hmm. could those baby those could be our future babies um and again that's just more reassurance that if i can't have a baby naturally that we i could resort to those to those and that's when right after we started um chemotherapy so i did a neoadjuvant chemotherapy and i don't know how aware your audience are but neoadjuvant chemotherapy is chemo done before surgery. And why they didn't do surgery right away is they want to make sure that the treatment plan is actually working, that it's shrinking the tumor. So if they could see the tumor shrinking, then they'll feel confident that they're able to kill the cancer cell as much as possible before going through surgery. So the goal is by the time I'm done with chemo at surgery, there shouldn't be any cancer cells to remove. Like they'll still go in and remove the breast tissues, but they shouldn't Mm -hmm. see prominent volume of cancer cells. So that's like the goal of uh, of like this treatment plan. So I went through six rounds of neoadjuvant chemotherapy, um, the cocktail drug. And, I'm, and I apologize if you, you need me to explain things further, let me know because some of these kind of come natural to me is TCHP and which was very, very aggressive. So I rounds of TCHP and then I did 17 rounds of Herceptin after. And then after Herceptin, I did six rounds of Zometa. At the same time, I was getting these um, 
quarterly shots called Zolodex in my stomach. Mm-hmm. But wow. at, yeah, but I, I did my mastectomy. So I did a bilateral mastectomy. And that happened after six rounds of neoadjuvant chemotherapy. So after I did that six rounds, there was signs that my tumors actually shrank. Um, and I even felt it. And what I forgot to mention earlier is my tumors actually were significant size. They were very big. Um, I think I was just more disbelief mm-hmm. when early before when I was like, did it get bigger? I mean, it pretty much took over my entire breath. So I, I did feel them shrinking and melting. So by the time of my surgery, I had one centimeter left. So that's where my doctors felt confident that the treatment is working at time of surgery. Then I did the bilateral mastectomy with immediate reconstruction. So not many women were our candidates for immediate reconstruction. I just happened to be. Um, and then that's another story itself. But so I did mastectomy with immediate reconstruction. And that's when I did 17 rounds of her seven and six rounds of Zometa after. Hmm, wow. That must have been <laughs> a lot for you. You know, you mentioned that you just got married at the time that you mm-hmm. this. How was the news to, you know, the news of the breast cancer thing? How did your husband receive it then? Did it, you know, for the both of you, you know? I mean, definitely he was shocked and torn and heartbreaking. Nobody wants to start their marriage with their spouse being, I guess, having a very serious illness. But he stepped up. He, you know, he said he's in it for in sickness and in health. And so he took me to every appointment. You know, he was my biggest rock, my biggest support. Like he, he handled everything in life that I, and so that I didn't have to handle it, you know, and all I had to focus was making sure I show up for treatment. So he, I give props to my husband. He did an amazing job being the biggest supporter, my cheerleader, and just making sure overall, just taking good care of me. And if anything, you know, that solidified our marriage because to me, I'm like, I definitely married the right man because he didn't run away. He didn't get scared. You know, everybody's scared in such a very serious situation, but he stepped up and were there in every aspect of my life. And he did not want to miss any appointment, did not want to miss any treatment. Um, He just wanted to be there for me every step of the way. I'm so, so happy for that. I'm so, so happy. I'm I'm curious, right? Were there times that you painted the worst case scenarios in your head? You know, am I going to survive this? Mm -hmm. And all of that, you go through that kind of um, world of emotions. How did you overcome it if you went through that? Yeah, I definitely did. I mean, the sad part is, is I hear about it all the time. Once you're in the cancer community or the cancer world, you hear people passing away. Even going through treatment, you don't feel well at all. And, you know, sometimes I can relate why I hear some people just want to give up and stop. Like the treatments itself, like going through chemo and such, they can be debilitating. You will feel, I mean, I have felt so sick, like where I felt like I don't want to do this anymore. You know, there are times where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go through it. It, it, It messes you up mentally and physically. Um, But at the same time, the fear of death is very prominent, especially you hear it in the cancer community. And I was one of the youngest people going in for treatment. So it's also even harder to like, you know, everyone being shocked, like, oh, but you're so young. How do you know? A lot of things just mess with your head within that situation. But um, what helps me get through it? And to be quite honest, it's still a process for me. You know, I still have that year because cancer, I mean, I have accepted that cancer is now part of my life. And um, and that's kind of what helped me get through. It's just kind of accepting that it's part of my life and it can affect me. Um, but I just have to continue living my life. But that turning point for me is when I actually accept death. Like just knowing that I actually lived my life the way I wanted to, lived it to the fullest. And like, if and if I were to pass away, I can pass away like knowing that I did, you know, happy. Um, and, and that's what 
actually helped me kind of push through being like, you know what, I just get to live my life because I can't control if, if it, you know, if, if it turns for the worst. And so I just accepted that that potentially could be, I just accepted death and accepted cancer. Um, and for some reason, that's what helped me push through and helped me continue to like live my life. Wow. Just to be clear, you're cancer free right now, right? As of now, they say NED, so no evidence of disease. I actually had to stop treatment temporarily because I told my doctor I wanted to try to have a baby because you can't um, be on cancer treatment um, while tr- having a baby. <laughs> so right now, it's more like taking that break um, because I, I wanted to have a baby and I was very lucky that I was able to conceive a baby naturally. Yeah. Okay. What was the pregnancy process and, you know, even now breastfeeding? Um, mm-hmm. Like what, what the plan like? I'm asking this especially for women, you know, anybody that would listen to this that probably has yeah. a relative that is going through, you know, the same thing and also wants to conceive, you know, naturally yeah. just like you did. You know, what was the process like? Yeah. Are there any things you're going through on it? Yeah. So the process is a little bit lengthy. Um, a lot of it, as I mentioned, I talk about it with my oncologist in the very beginning, right when I got diagnosed that I wanted to have a baby, you know, basically grow our family. So essentially the plan was to let her know when I'm ready for that. And then there's a process of slowly weaning off of the cancer treatment. So what it is, is I told her in January 2020, um, I want to try to have a baby. And so what she did and... Um, one thing I forgot to mention is going through treatment, I was in medically induced menopause. Um, and so the main thing, and I think most women know this, in order to have a baby, you got to have a period. So what she did is she didn't get me off of treatments right away. What she did is she switched one of my drugs because she said, when you when you get on this new drug, you'll be able to have your period. So let's see if you can get your period. But she didn't want me to get completely off of any treatment plan yet. Um, and she's like, we'll see in three months. Three months has passed. I didn't get my period. And I had that fear where I, I thought maybe I am permanently in menopause, which does happen to some women who go through cancer treatment where your body just can be permanently in menopause. So that was my biggest fear. Because if that's true, I can't have a baby at all. Um, but my doctor didn't want to give up on me yet. And she said, you know, I think this is a time where we'll decide for you to completely get off of treatment. And she's warned me that it may take some time to see my period because my body also has to detox all that treatment all that drugs that's been in my body for so long. Um, And so every month I've been anticipating getting my period, just hoping if I get it, it's a sign that I could get a baby. So another three months, so it took another three months. And then that month, which happens to be June of last year, I got my period. And it was the weirdest experience because I haven't had my period for four years <laughs> at that point. Um, and I, this is why I call my son a miracle baby, because I was fortunate after that first month of getting my period, I was able to, I was pregnant, um, which is very rare and lucky and fortunate that the first time I had my period in four years, I was able to have a baby in that same month. Um, But so I would say my scenario is very rare and blessed because I know that the process could have been much longer and much more difficult. Um, And and that's where I just feel grateful. Like at that point, I felt like someone was looking over us and being like, you know, this is this is what yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I believe in faith and miracles and stuff like that. And so I just felt like someone was watching over us and giving us what we really 
wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of breastfeeding, I don't have any breast tissue, so I can't breastfeed. So currently Carter, my son, who is now four months old, he's formula fed. Okay. All right. Um, I also wanted to know, what was the support from family like? Did you have to join a support group? You know, what did family and friends do that meant a lot to you in that yeah. season? I mean, overall, my family, not only just my family, but my husband's family were extremely supportive. Um, you know, there's always somebody to, every time I get went in for chemo, there was always someone aside from my husband there to see me, visit me. I had friends who like helped me like, oh, things that you could do during chemo as well as talk to me when I'm home. Um, so in general, I would, I feel very grateful that I had, my, my inner circle was very supportive, but I also knew that no one could really relate what I'm going through. And so that's mm. where I started sharing my story on Instagram and on my blog. And I was able to connect to some of the young women. I, I think what's hard is people would connect me with people who also have breast cancer, but they are way past my age. Like um, I was, and they would have me talk to somebody who's 70 and 65 mm. and we're at different points in our life where it, it, it's hard because like they can't relate to my life and I can't relate to theirs. Um, the of the cancer is way different and um, the treatment plan is different. You, you know, typically they, the treatment plan is much more harsh and aggressive when you're younger. So it, it was just like harder to connect with people. And, and that's why I started sharing my story, which eventually evolved for me connecting to other um, young women who were diagnosed with breast cancer. And some of them now have become like really close friends. Um, and it, it's just nice that I, I have people who can relate exactly what I'm going through without any judgment. Um, um, and I could just my mind. That has been very helpful. Okay. Um, now that you're a survivor, right? Mm-hmm. How are you living your life differently? You know why? Um, I mean, it's not, I, I think a lot of it, like I mentioned earlier, it's like just accepting that it's part of my life, right? Um, like, you know, I still show up for my different appointments. Um, also, I see an onco psychologist can, that can help me talk through cancer and at the same time talk about some of the anxiety I'm feeling. Um, and the only difference is like, I'm able to move on, which is why I felt comfortable having a baby. And so right now having an, a newborn baby has consumed my life. And that's like what's been different. I'm just focusing on being a mother and being there for Carter. Uh, that's like, I would say the most different. Um, and then just being okay when a doctor needs to see me, but I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, there's definitely that fear of it spreading um, comes here and there. It, it, it like It's just something that I can't get rid of. It's now part of who I am. I just kind of have to accept that the fear will ebb and flow, but I, I, sh- I don't stop my life. I just continue to live. Um, and I know like no matter what news will come ahead, I'll just have to handle it as it comes. You know, because I kept saying a cancer survival. Are there scenarios where someone is totally cancer free or it just lingers and something could trigger it back? Right. So it could linger. So um, the unfortunate part with, and I could only speak for breast cancer, um, is that even if cancer is contained and let's say chemo work and you surgery took it all out, you still run the risk of it coming back and spreading. Mm. Um, but the thing is, um, the term cancer survivor, I think this term means so much different once you get diagnosed with cancer, because actually in the cancer sur- uh, survive, uh, community, cancer survivor means um, anybody who's diagnosed with cancer, because every day you're surviving, every day you're alive, you just survived cancer. And so that's why we, and even like doctors, um, we call it cancer survivor. The moment I was diagnosed, they told me you're a cancer survivor. I'm happy for that 
because to a lot of people, when we say cancer survivor, you know, it comes off as, oh, this person is totally cancer free. But it's good to know that in the cancer community, it means someone that is, you know, you're surviving every single day. I'm just happy with that clarification, to be honest. Oh, yeah, of course. And some people like to use cancer thriver also, um, just because, you know, every day you're thriving as well. But yeah, it, it and then I even looked it up myself when I looked in the dictionary, what the definition of cancer survivor in the dictionary says someone who's diagnosed with cancer. So I did not know any of this either until I got cancer. So a lot of things are new until I experienced it. I get it. Okay, so what three things would you like to, you know, tell someone, you know, who just yesterday learned they have cancer, they were, you know, they got cancer, you know, it might be someone listening that has a relative. What would you say to that person? Um, I, you know, I'd be honest with them and say it's not going to be easy, you know, but find something to lean onto that will make you happy. Um, just know that there's going to be tough days and there's days that you're going to cry and days you're going to wish, why me? But I would say find either people in your life that no matter what you can lean to, find someone in the cancer community that you can connect with and live your life. You know, if you, as long as doctors let you, if you wanted to explore the world and travel, do that. If there's, you know, you got to continue to live your life, but be, but understand that you're going to have, you're going to be going through something tough and it's okay to be sad at moments but there's definitely going to be some happy moments new friendships will be built new experiences that you never thought you could push yourself to do and most of all you're going to find your strength um and it's incredible once you know your strength and to me that's what helped build my confidence as well like you know you're going to be going through the toughest thing in your life and if you're able to go through it head on you're already a strong person thank you so much i just have one last question to ask you right what is one question you wish i had asked you that i didn't ask oh that's so hard oh my gosh you ask well i'll be honest you ask a lot of good questions uh so i'm like I don't know. <laughs> you asked really good questions. Um, I mean, you asked, you made some good points. Is one thing that most people don't realize that it is a process to have a baby after cancer. And most people were like, oh, you just got pregnant. Well, there was a story behind it to get to where I am. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Viola, you were good. <laughs> thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. Oh, um, thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing your story. Story. I really do appreciate you. Thank you of so, course. so much. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Have a good one. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your story with us. If you'd love to connect with Rachel on social media, which I highly do advise and recommend that you do, she has amazing content. Like, I'm not kidding. You can check her out on Instagram. I'm going to leave the links to her social media platforms in the description of this episode. You can check her out on Instagram at rdobsessions, rdobsessions. I'm going to leave a link to her Instagram handle in the description of this episode and also to her blog. You can peruse her 
you know, blog posts sharing more about her cancer journey. If you'd love to do that, I'm going to leave all the links in the description. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, if you love this episode, we need your support. So you can support this podcast for, you know, expansion and also production of more episodes. You can support via Anchor. You can contribute with any amount or using Shukran. Shukran is a platform actually where you can support your favorite content creators to encourage them in their content creation journey. So your support is highly welcome. And of course, please leave a review of this podcast on that podcast platform or app you're using to listen to me right now. I really, really do appreciate that. Like this episode, share this episode, forward it to your friends, especially if you have a friend or you know someone that is struggling or battling with cancer, they would appreciate you for this episode. So don't forget to check out Flowdesk for my content creators listening. Don't sleep on Flowdesk. Like this is the opt-in's time I'm saying it. It's an amazing, amazing platform. So I'm going to see you in the next episode or rather you're going to hear from me in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this point. You are amazing and just know that you're doing absolutely well. Bye.